FM episode 187, I believe. Probably. Close enough. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my name is Arthur Geese. I'm playing host because Anthony is at a birthday party. Uh, I heard You're a bar mitzvah. all the surprise. A bar mitzvah. A I bar think it was mitzvah, a bat mitzvah. mitzvah. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Matt is at dinner. Mm-hmm. So you are stuck with Mitch Dyer from IGN. I'm playing 187 Ride or Die for X. <laughs> nope. What? That's your open. Don't worry about it. And uh, special guest Marty Sleva. Hey guys. Also of IGN Period Com. Yep. Marty Formerly I, of One Up Period Com. Yeah. Rest That's in peace. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We slaughtered Marty's website, and now I, he sits beside me and works for. <laughs> to be our fair, team. Marty, you started at One Up way after the the Golden Age. After hey, the apocalypse, or uh, even really even like the aluminum age. The <laughs> hey, you were there when things sucked. Is uh, what he's saying. No, we we had a really solid run for a website with four people. Like giantbomb.com? Dot org. They have more than four people. Yeah, that's true. They do. You guys uh, did awesome cover stories and features and shit. Thanks, Mitch. I miss Matt Leon so much. Oneup.com. Fucking I don't. <laughs> uh, so we're theoretically going to talk about video games, yep. I guess. Yeah. We have uh, a lot of those to talk about, I think. Assuming we can get through the podcast, because there has been a lot of Pabst consumed there's immediately been, to there's my been, right. Well, I would we're say... We're both like two beers deep. A little, you more go, so. a little going on a lot. Yeah. yeah, a little going on a lot. Yeah, like is it. it just like what is? How do you chart that on a graph? It's when like I'm, it, when I'm it's halfway like, through here, it's, it's like a. Yeah, I've almost know. tipped over the precipice. It's the second half of a parabolic curve. Yeah, that is exactly. What, that is parabola. really well said. A pabstabolic curve. Uh, the upward parabola. Parabola and this has been is my Rebel favorite. Fan episode one eighty six. I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, yeah, video games. Uh, video games. We yeah. play stuff. Uh, We've all played and enjoyed quite a bit. Gone home. Yeah. Fulbright. And, and that's all we're going to say about it. Oh, my it. God. That's all you we're going to say? No, we're not. We're, we're not going to say much about We are about not going to spoil anything. I mean, can we all say that we really enjoyed it? Yes. Yes. The game is amazing. Uh, the problem with talking about Gone Home is that Gone Home is almost entirely is, is I mean, it is completely plot-driven. Yes. Yep. Uh, there, It is not a, me- a game with much in the way of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is to say the, the mechanics are you walking around, picking things up, and moving them. Yep. Yep. If that. And yep. I don't mean like moving them from place to place. Although but you are you rotating can. them. You can. Yeah. You can just grab a cup and fucking throw Things it Things don't make noises when they hit the ground, which kind of worries me that uh, this house is in a strange place. But uh, you're wandering around a house, picking stuff up and putting stuff down and trying to figure out where your family is. Yep. And what happened in the year that you were away. Mm-hmm. Finding Mar- yourself in Europe. Yep. Marty reviewed that game for IGN, and Danielle yep. reviewed it for you guys at Polygon. Yes. Both of those reviews are incredible. Mm-hmm. I recommend reading both. The average score is 9.75. <laughs> Between the two. Between the not two. On Metacritic, <laughs> not on Metacritic. <laughs> it's probably about that on Metacritic, actually. Yeah, the Metacritic average is like 82 or 84. The game is doing super well. well. I'm so happy for yeah, that. Yeah, uh, really Because good. there are a couple people that aren't... I'm not going to finish that sentence. Is that true? I haven't, I'm going to look that up because I haven't yeah. read it was at, reviews. I think it was at 87 that I saw. But honestly, so. no, the game's just extremely well-written. The, vo- the VO is spectacular. Oh um, Sam is like the best character. For the people who care about such things, actually it looks like Gone Home is back up to 90. Good. Uh, for the people that care about such things, the narrative arc of Gone Home almost exactly follows the structure of Bioshock's Minerva's Zen DLC. How about that? 
What a... Imagine that. It's not like everyone who had anything to do with Minerva's (laughs) Den made Gone Home, the game. Yeah, so that was uh, Steve Gaynor's new company, the Fulbright Company. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they worked on uh, Minerva's Den, which is my personal favorite slice of Bioshock, as much as I love Infinite and love the original. It's the best bit of narrative. It's the most cohesive narrative in the Bioshock fiction. Yeah, I guess the combat's not quite up to what Infinite It's fine. I think that... Bioshock is just a much, or Infinite is a much more mechanically sound game, so it's easier for them to design stuff that's good. But Minerva's sure. Den is very well designed mm-hmm. for what it is. See, with um, Minerva's Den, everyone was telling me maybe this was a problem that happens a lot, right? That people tell you this is the best thing in the world, you need to play it. So I played it, and I thought it was fine mechanically. Didn't do anything to wow me. Didn't stand out in any way systemically, but the narrative was obviously amazing. I, I think yeah. that the encounter design in, in Minerva's Den is better than anything that's in Bioshock 2 proper, and, and pro- may, honestly, probably better than anything that's in Bioshock, because neither of those games really excelled in combat design. I should probably replay it yeah, to appreciate that, because when I was playing it, I just wanted to get through it just to see the story, because the story was so right. good, Yeah, and I didn't care about combat. It was just like, fuck, get out of the way. I just want to hear more about what's going on with this guy. And there was a, there was a really great uh, Let's Play that uh, the Idle Thumbs guys did with Steve, and so Steve ostensibly narrated, you know, an entire playthrough of Minerva's Den. I'm just going to watch that. Yeah, I mean, it's really it was, it was really fantastic. In fact, Mitch is going to do that right now. The podcast is over. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter, MHED. No, we're actually going Arthur to play that right now, and we're going to narrate over it. Actually, because I hate Mitch so much, I'm going to go through this entire podcast and bleep everything he says. Redacted. I'm going to talk so much, so you have to work really hard. So much redaction. not that Arthur. 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 This. Arthur. Mitch, you are a mess of a Canadian. Two beers it takes I know. to make you. Oh, this isn't the alcohol. This is idiot. just me hating you. Uh, so, <laughs> Gone Home. Yep. Gone Home really is, is really. I, I, the problem with talking about a game like this is that often people abuse adjectives and adverbs, and it robs them of all of their power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Gone Home is a legitimately emotional experience. Uh, that is unlike anything you will probably play this year. Yep. It's because it's grounded. It's is yeah, rooted right. in emotions that we have all felt, experiences we have all had, granted some more disparate than others. Right. But we can all relate to it in a very I don't know that you've ever had this experience, but you've probably dreamed of it for your entire life. <laughs> Man, people who play the game are really going to laugh at that. Uh, I have so many jokes I want, I want to make, but it's and all spoilers. you can't make any of them. Nah, yeah, it's just really spoilers. great, too, because like the moments that do move you don't feel forced or constructed. Like, um, I, I enjoyed The Last of Us, but a lot right. of the emotional mo- moments felt like sort of that scene in Schindler's List when everyone goes into the shower and you assume they're about to be gassed, but it turns out it's just a shower. To me, that felt like uh, Spielberg was sort of toying with us on an emotional level, which I don't fully appreciate all the time. Um, but everything in uh, Gone Home just felt very uh, natural and, like Mitch said, grounded sure. and real. And it's just the the mechanics don't act directly against the story as they do in almost every game yep. that exists yeah. ever in the yeah. history of video games. I don't want to say the LD word, but the LD word here. Lunar narrative dissonance. There we go. Oh, <laughs> we I feel like that's L N D. That's the Luna. Nah, that's no. Lunar narrative is one word. Narrative is one word. I think. But yeah, L D. Uh, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, L N D like rolls off the tongue better. Yeah, but that sounds like a drug. L N D. 
Wendy. Fucked up on that LND. Oh, that hawking LND. <laughs> um, and I mean, I wouldn't even, like, yeah, like, The Last of Us obviously, like, struggles with that, and mm-hmm. Bioshock yeah. struggles with sure. that. And this actually addresses it in some really interesting ways, and this is not spoilery stuff, so it's not, don't worry, but you find a note where the parents, the, your parents say, like, oh, you're just like Katie, you're always leaving the lights on, and you realize, like, playing as Katie, you are always leaving the fucking lights on. Yeah. Because you turn on a light in a hallway... And why would you ever turn it off? You don't need to go back and turn it off and save electricity or whatever. Yeah. And for whatever reason, you just don't do it. Yeah. You're not compelled to. And it's just interesting to see that trait come up both in the story and what you're doing. Yeah. Right? It's like designers knowing what the player is going They're to do and then putting it in a real world situation. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, they can get around it with if you are turning off lights for whatever reason, you've been away from home for a long time and you have maybe grown as a person. Yeah. I learned mean, yeah, to turn off lights. Like, yeah, there's the joke in it about that. And, yeah. Um, Mitch, <laughs> how old are you? 25. Marty, how old are you? 26. So neither of you motherfuckers grew up for most of the 90s. Right, I was four no. years old at the point this game takes place. Uh, yep. Okay, so as Sorry, someone six. who was 14 when this game takes place, or I was 13 about to turn 14, okay. right? Um, uh, this game, like, hit me in the feels, as the kids say. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta hate um, the kids. Yeah, I, I also hate the kids. <laughs> I mean, you're very close to. I would I would argue that Sam is the main character, but like the, the younger sister. This age. isn't spoilery. It, it's a moment, but I I think that this is okay to to mention. Like, there's a part where you are in someone's room and you pull out a copy of uh, a music magazine and it's got Kurt Cobain on the cover. Yeah. And it's like a yeah, retrospective yeah. of his life, like a year and change after he died. And like looking at that, I was like, man, I totally had the Rolling Stone. After Kurt Cobain died, yeah. it was just like massive, like full of stories and yeah, and just it's full of stuff like that, and it's full of like riot curl, riot riot curl, riot girl garage bands, and just this stuff that is so incredibly evocative of a particular moment. And my dad had those X Files tapes, yeah. with the labels. I yeah. had a VHS with RoboCop on it, yeah, yep. Uh, I think it was RoboCop and Spaceballs. I think my um, favorite touch with the VHS tapes is there are two movies on every tape. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like one movie slash another one. Yeah. And that's and like, God, we had so many of those that we were putting off TV. I don't know whose review I read today. After mine posted, I, I read a handful of the reviews, and it might have been Danielle's, but uh, they mentioned how it does such a good job of putting you in a specific place and time without doing it, like, without pandering. Yeah. Like, hey, look, Bill Clinton's on the TV. <laughs> yeah, Remember no, him? Exactly. And like, it's, it's just all, it's, it's information that's there if you're looking. Yep. Um, and I and I I do like in ten or fifteen years I do wonder how it's going to resonate with some people like young people assuming anyone plays this game then or society exists. It's a bold uh, assumption. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, we're going out on a limb and saying that the great Satan will still be a thing. Uh, but I I do wonder about that. But as someone who who lived in that world and who had like those things and and it, it just reminded me so much of friends and of my own experiences and I do think it's even if the experiences of the characters in that game aren't exactly to your experience I think that there is something deeply resonant and universal about the the sort of story that it's telling. Yeah, it's just it's people behaving like people, and yep. it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the place and time that it's set, because 
you know, everyone goes through similar experiences and behaves kind of right. exactly like that. Yeah, and so many games, even the ones that are heralded for having, you know, this amazing, extraordinary narrative, uh, everyone still falls in the confines of the hero, the villain, the damsel, yeah. the sidekick. Um, right, and, and that's no, not how life is. There are right. no characters like that. Yep. No. And, al- and also, like, there's a main story, <laughs> but by the end, like, there is a very queer story for every character in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, one that if is. If you can find it. If you can yeah. find it. And it's incredibly sympathetic. But also like very human and flawed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's it's rare that you play any game with one character that's fleshed out as much as every character in this game is yeah. fleshed out. Yeah, and over the course of two hours, I was yeah. telling Marty that it's it's really indicative of the way we think about this game, just how powerful it is. That I don't refer to characters like oh Jan and Terry, it's mom and dad. Yeah. Like that is my mom in my dad's room. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And there's it's. There's some interesting stuff going on. Like, there's... It's driven by a quest for narrative, but it's also... It's sort of like this very voyeuristic thing that occasionally feels a little disturbing. Because you are, like, rifling through people's things. Yeah. And the context it gives you for doing that works. But it's still... Like, as a kid, you might rifle through... Or I'm almost positive that you have rifled through your parents' shit. Right. Except anyone who's recording this right now whose parents might be listening in that case i'm sure you never never happened because you're respectful of your parents shit (laughs) you're a respectful child um but uh i think that that even then it was there was like a sense of voyeurism and wanting to understand your parents and also hoping you find porn yeah, and yeah. like there's that sort of sensation that's driving on home the quest for porn in your parents' drawers. Yep. It also does a great job of humanizing that in a really interesting way. Like when you find, anytime you hover over an object, it doesn't just say light switch to drawer. Yeah, it will say what Katie, the main character, sure. is thinking. So you'll find the condom in your dad's dresser drawer, and the text is no, 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 no. Yeah, and there's there are things that you find that you think I really am not supposed to be seeing. Yeah, this. yeah. When it feels like even, I mean you as the player feel like that as a you know like you said a voyeur in this home but even you know katie the character right is like no you are looking at things that you shouldn't be doing this. that like, completely like redefine your understanding of of relationships yeah yep. absolutely there's um, parts of people's past that they've very deliberately tried to hide from other yeah, people that yeah. you're just crossing lines and being invasive about i also really like from like a design standpoint uh in the options menu you're able to toggle a few modifiers and you can turn all of the lights on in the house uh, before you play the game. If you're afraid you can, of spookies like me. If you're afraid of spookies, Mitch and I are afraid of spookies. Big but time. We, we, uh, we powered our way through this. You can also unlock all the doors. Um, Highly recommend that you don't do that. Don't. Ever. I mean, don't do either of those, but it's also a... I don't know. If I had someone who doesn't play games and doesn't want an experience like that, I could still sort of give them this in a mold where... You know, my mom could get through this game ostensibly, sure. or at least mm-hmm. explore this environment and see things that are really interesting that you know she could absolutely relate to. And I do think that this game has a unique sort of crossover kind of potential uh, for that. Although it is, it's not like the the closest comparison I can make is that most video games are the equivalent of a genre film, like of a horror film or an action film, or maybe a comedy or a sci-fi film. Uh, whereas, like even indie games tend to fall into those, like their their budget or direct to video or a million other corollaries that you can draw to genre film. Whereas this is very much like an indie film. Yeah, like it is. It has a very specific thing to say. 
It has a very specific moral and message and heart to it. And I don't think that that's going to appeal to everyone. But the way that it tells its story and the story that it tells and the performances that it has are almost unimpeachable. Yeah. Um, and I, I would understand people not being into it because it's not to their taste, but it, it is, I, I have a difficult time fathoming how someone could speak an ill word about what it does or how it does it simply because it's doing everything that it wants to. Yeah. And I think it, what it, what it is trying to do is incredibly brave because yeah. we are in the middle of I think like Marty phrased it really amazingly. He said this is amazing to have something like this so in the middle of a blood-soaked next-gen baby marathon thing, yeah. right? Like we have all of this violent garbage coming out that yeah, a lot of it looks really good, but it's nice to play something that is totally sure. different and totally unafraid to be different. And that's and and I mean, I hope that I mean, there are are plenty of independent movies with really amazing performances and stories that are also violent. So sure. I don't think like that a that's, history of violence or Drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, drive. I mean, Drive is is a lot of things. I, the writing in Drive is a complicated thing, um, <laughs> and that it's there's barely any there. Yep. And I love Drive. We're about to derail this podcast. Yeah, I love Drive. But I mean, if you want to, I mean, Drive already has its video game equivalent. Sure. Hotline. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I am glad that this exists. I am really yep. excited that this exists. It is a really stark contrast and interesting sort of counterpoint to the games that those that the people who made it did before this. Yeah, and, and to the stories that they wanted to tell within the framework of big budget AAA blockbusters. Um, and. I'm really glad that they quit their jobs and lived on savings and moved to fucking Portland. Yep. Yep. To, to make this game, even though at times this seemed like the fucking put a bird on it project. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well said. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, I love the fact that you can see, you know, the four thumbprints of yeah. those people just and every in every nook and cranny of this game. And like speaking of voyeur, voyeurism, like speaking to it, there are points in the story where you think there are probably very specific people on staff to whom this is even more intensely personal yep. than the others. Like 100%. this is someone's story. Yep. Um, or this is someone's heart. Like this is their soul. This is who they are. And you never see that in a game. I don't think I've ever seen that in a game. Like I've seen broader messages that are successful in games with things to say. Uh, and I think Papo EO probably tried mm-hmm. for that, but I, I don't think I've ever seen anything this successful at being a person's story. Yeah. I mean, things like, yeah, the things that came to mind for me were, you know, Papo EO, Thomas was alone. To the moon. To the moon. Sure. Um, certain aspects of Catherine. Uh, yeah. Also, I really hope that this, like you said, these four who... You know, worked at 2K and, and Irrational. Not all four, but they came from, you know, 2K Marin and Irrational. Yeah. Um, I hope this encourages other talented members of large AAA teams to sort of leave their jobs and move into a house full of cats. Yup. <laughs> or dogs, or birds, or no animals. Stick to cats. I or think. Roombas. A house full of Roombas. House full of Roombas. I want that game. That's a real game. Can there be cats riding the Roombas? There is actually. There There's is a Roomba, Roomba game. game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's weird. It, it's actually weird talking about other games going from gone home into yep. other games because it is so fundamentally different yeah. yes. in its approach. But 
as someone who does like dramas and an independent film and also likes stupid big budget shit like i guess it's time that we start getting used to that yeah yeah there's um, totally room for both and yeah, people right. who are really up in arms about like I feel like people are going to trash this game on the internet because it's, it's indie like, and it's different and it's just trying to be pretentious and it's not. I technically I don't know what the IGN comments looked like. It was the most positive my, comments of any review really? I've ever written. Okay, wow. Yeah. Uh, the there was like this weird hater squad in our in our review. That's like, surprising. Who really were pissed off that the game scored what it did because Danielle uh, Rindo at Polygon who wrote it for us um, it got a ten and. There were people who were really annoyed by this to the point where they were speaking about collusion and conflicts of interest. Why is this two points better than Last of Us? It's two point five. <laughs> two point five points better than <laughs> Last of Us because it. Uh, I mean it. It is better at what it wants to do than The Last of Us. Yeah, people are dummies. The end. Yeah. Like there is nothing in this game that distracts from it what it wants to do. Like yeah. there is no. There is no concession to AAA necessity. It is very un- it, like it is uncompromising in what thing, it wants to achieve. I One mean, I w- nothing is uncompromising. Like, no, like it's there are different compromises that they make. Like that, it's in unity. That it's all like static lighting. That I tried to put a fucking cup on the table and it fell through and it was gone forever. <laughs> that cup gone. Your mom's or? gonna be pissed. <laughs> like, that a TV dinner sounds like I'm throwing a fucking rock across the room when I put it back in the freezer. Yeah. Like those are concessions, but none of those get in the way of what it is. Yeah. This game could have used more uh, puzzles where you had to make a girl get across the river by putting a raft yeah, on that river. Yeah, where are all my pallets and ladders? <laughs> where are all my pallet puzzles? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, there's just nothing, like, there's nothing getting in the way of what it's doing. Yep. And, like, whatever small, like, technical problems there are, like, do not harm it. Yeah. Because no. at the point where you see them, you are still, like, the the visual existence of this place is almost secondary to it existing right if everything is where sense. it is that is some college essay philosophical <laughs> bullshit but it, it makes some sense kid right? at home is like just smoking himself out it's like oh my god arthur just said something deep <laughs> it's because everything is exactly where it's supposed to be the, like the very first thing you do in this game is walk up to a door that's locked yeah. right shit what do i do you look under the mat you look around the area where did mom hide the keys you find the keys you go in the lights are off where are the lights oh they're exactly where i think they should be right. because i've been in a house right it Everything is, the sense of space in this game is amazing. Yep. Yeah, and it's like and someone's riding a fucking like mini scooter, scooter on by, <laughs> dude. Don't fucking worry about us. If you <laughs> let me just take this opportunity to tell you that if you ride a razor scooter with a fucking weed whacker motor attached to it, you can go fucking die. Okay? Just fucking fall die. into your weed whacker motor. You just yeah. lost every one of your listeners. Oh no. <laughs> the the Venn diagram of the Rebel FM and the Razor Scooter Weed Whacker motor <laughs> users. Just um, one single circle. Uh, but it's, and it's also like, we should, we need to stop talking about it because I feel like if we're not careful, we'll give something away. We're in the danger zone. Yeah. I have never, yes. Lana! Lana! Uh, we, like, I so desperately don't want to spoil any plot yep. about yeah. this game because it's, it's a 100% plot driven. Yep. But the, the nature of the house as a structure and its history Mm-hmm. is very much a a great working metaphor for the game's story and for the family's relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, it's interesting to me that these things sort of reveal themselves to me uh, as I get a little further away from having finished it, because I finished it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it is a very literary kind of exercise yeah um Yep. And it's the kind of thing that, like a good book, you want to return to, like sure. at least once a year. You want to go back and just and, re-experience yeah. that unlike and see what good, you can learn. Unlike with a good book, where you are unlikely to miss a page or seven. <laughs> yeah, like there is stuff that you may not find your yeah. first time sure. through. Yeah, we were just talking an hour ago about a, a specific segment of the game that is sort of off the beaten path and optional, and right. you know you can either miss it or you can find it. Um, that's awesome. Also, I want to go back now that I, you know, know what I know. You know, go back and and reevaluate uh, everything I see and hear at the beginning. With see how that it comes knowledge. to be, yeah. and yeah, see the foreshadowing yes. of which there is much. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, don't be a baby about the price. It's twenty bucks, and it's a very short game. Don't let that dis- yeah. discourage you from be playing it. A good it. few hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can play this for three hours. It's twenty bucks. And Fucking you know what? Buy like, this game. Like, I've heard some people say, oh, well, you need to play it alone, but I actually had a great time playing it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Interesting. See, I told a friend today specifically, he, he asked me, like, should I buy this? I said, yes. You play it alone, then walk away, and then have your wife play it, and then reconvene. I actually think that it would be a great game for a couple to play. Hmm. Interesting. Sorry to fucking ruin everything for you, Trevor. Sorry, T-Dog. I don't think that there <laughs> is... I, nope. Other than continually distracted, I don't think that there's a bad way to experience this game. But sure. I do think that that there are things that you can sort of share with someone else like through this game. And it's, I mean, as far as... Like, one of the reasons that I think significant others of either sex or even friends like that are with you when you're playing a game get bored of games is because they see you doing the same stupid bullshit over yep. and over again trying shooting to that succeed. Guy. Shooting that yeah. guy. Uh, and this is... The, this is not that. This is constantly moving forward. Mm-hmm. And... And moving forward in a way that is really emotionally engaging. So I think that if there was a game, if you're constantly talking about, oh, well, how do I get so-and-so into games? I mean, first of all, don't, because maybe they just don't fucking care. And second of all, this game is a something good that you can experience with someone that is positive and emotional and resonant to people. And mature. Yep. I was no. so, so glad. No, never mind. Spoiler territory. Yeah, don't. We'll reconvene. Uh, also, I played Splinter Cell. <laughs> we can talk about that game, which is a lot like Gone Home. Well, I didn't kill anybody in Splinter Cell either. Hey, me either. Got uh, that except achievement. Except for the people that I had to. Yep. So, I I mean, I really, really liked Splinter Cell. You and I both. A lot. Uh, I think Ryan McCaffrey, who reviewed it for IGN, liked it more than I did. Okay. He and I, I think, are on the same page. Or, I think that game is pretty or, or maybe... Like, I don't know, maybe you're, you read your rubric differently. For me, the thing about Blacklist that is a really monumental achievement is also the thing that holds it back from being something really truly memorable, which is that Blacklist takes everything Splinter Cell has ever done in disparate ways and makes them fit together in a way that makes sense. Was it you who described it as kind of a representation of the chronology of the series? Uh, that sounds right. It's an anthology. Yeah. Interesting. Um... It is. It serves as a very functional uh, collage of Splinter Cell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically all of the best ideas, which is a miracle because yeah. Conviction didn't work as a stealth game particularly. Like it was stealthy, sure, like, and that's because and this- like some things are truthy, but it was it was an, it was a third person action game where you felt like a badass. Yeah, and this is this can be that, but it can also be the the sort of uh, complete avoidance stealth badass game that Chaos Theory was. 
or it can be the full-on crazy assault game that Chaos Theory could be and that Conviction could be. Except the mechanics are so much more sound now than at the time. Right. Just because they've had, you know, time on their side. Right. And, and it, it also takes, like, one of the only thing, really interesting things that Double Agent did that worked, which was the base mechanic, like the upgrade system and, yep. like, interacting with people from mission to mission and using that is is glue and connective tissue and makes it work in a way that's more interesting and also takes daylight missions and makes them not fucking terrible. Yep. Like, because, oh, God, Double Agent. I, if Matt was here, Matt would disagree with me, but Matt's not here. Fuck Double Agent. <laughs> the game sucked. Fuck the, the outside game missions in that, that game. That fucking boat was so terrible. Oh. You know what? The boat was fun because it was Sam Fisher in short shorts. <laughs> that's always fun. Uh, and, like, shooting. Like, I think that that was one of the main spots in that game where you could shoot sticky shockers into water. Like, puddles of water. Like, um, pools and shit. And it was, it was a yeah. huge level. But then you yeah. got to the Africa level. Where you're in broad fucking daylight and the the frame rate is dog shit and it was just it was haha it, collusion it needed more of it yeah. occlusion not collusion <laughs> wrong word move on don't you wish you could go back in time and tell yourself to shut the fuck up all the time every fucking day of my life someday someone will invent a machine that keeps Mitch from saying stupid things. Or like Not another, today, Arthur. Another Mitch will just today. pop through the door and like stop yeah. the Breaks podcast. My neck. Mitch, stop it, Mitch! I'm about to say <laughs> something dumb. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it even takes the shit that was bad in Double Agent that it tried to do and makes it work, and it makes it work in such a way that if you are focused on playing a certain way in that in Blacklist, you will only see that way unless you're really like trying to keep an open mind yeah or you get desperate because it gets really fucking hard yep mark and execute became like a break glass in case of emergency thing for me playing as ghost right and not in a lethal way because the thing like and all yeah the fact that blacklist adds a mark and execute non-lethally is i i i don't know if it's important but i i appreciated it immensely because I do think I'm getting to the point in my life where I would like to play less games, where I'm slaughtering a million people in a way that is completely at odds with what I'm supposed to be doing. And Splinter Cell, like, the way that I think of Splinter Cell, and this is because I played every Splinter Cell game, is as a stealth game, Sam is a spy. And I was a really shitty spy for, like, the first two Splinter Cell games, but that's what it is. Uh, And for me, as a Splinter Cell player from, like, back in the day, because that fucking series is 11 years old now, um, oh god yeah what if we told our lives uh, <laughs> right book reports about toys uh so like as of someone who got into splinter cell back then i like i appreciate that that i can be the spy that i want to be and leave no trace if i'm good enough mm-hmm. and i also appreciate academically that for conviction players that jumped on last time like you're not going to miss a beat you're just going to jump in and there's going to be like even more ways to play the game in that spirit yeah conviction was the game that brought me on board with the series like i i played chaos theory i played double agent i played the original way way back when you didn't appreciate i didn't at all i was totally into metal gear and i thought this is way too fucking hard this is impossible to play i don't understand this but conviction for all its faults (laughs) especially as a splinter cell game what is this a fucking good camera and a stealth game i don't get it I need to not see anything in front of my face. Hey, subsistence. Had a good camera. <laughs> hey, 3D Splinter Cell yeah. camera in that game. Yeah, subsistence where they stole the Splinter Cell camera. Yeah. Hey. yeah. 
But that game, Cameras on it was just so much more approachable and familiar as somebody who enjoyed third-person action games, and it had these elements of stealth that I enjoyed from other games. So it was a really great mix. And now Blacklist is the perfect mix of that and the classic Chaos Theory stuff, which I have since come to appreciate. Yes, because so, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory is... I mean, I don't know. Is it immaculately designed? Anyway? It is. It's It holds up so well. The level designs are amazing. The thing that you you don't necessarily realize until you go back to games like Chaos Theory is how fucking small they are. Like, Chaos Theory's levels are tiny. Yeah, They're you real can tiny. really blast through them. Yeah, whereas this is like... <clears throat> imagine Chaos Theory's like gameplay with levels the fucking size of games that you play today. Yeah. yeah. And that is almost revelatory but it's not revel- it's it's a very solid evolution for the series yeah uh it is not revolutionary in any way shape or form um and i feel like this is exactly where chaos theory would have gone had it also had like the mechanics of conviction at the time yeah i th- i think that that's not inaccurate yeah it kind of um, like diverged over to the conviction way of things and then really came back in a big bad way and i mean i get why because ubisoft has constantly tried to sell this game and it's never sold as well as they wanted it mm-hmm. to like it is it's honestly kind of a miracle that they've kept making splinter cells right. because other games they would stop making i mean this one has to be the do or die version right right this is the last chance which to is really why it is mark. on literally every platform that exists except yeah. for yeah. vita yeah like, there is a Wii U version of this game. Like, welcome to desperation. Yeah. Also, if this game sells well, you're crazy if you think that Splinter Cell 7 is not going to be an open-world game. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's, I, I mean, the, that's what Conviction was supposed I to be. I to climb a radio tower and then have my map filled Perfect. in afterwards. No, yep. Conviction, actually, the like, the original Conviction, the problem with it is it looked too much like Assassin's Creed. Well, it basically was Assassin's yeah, Creed. It was modern-day Assassin's with Creed. With way worse mechanics. Yeah. Um... So, uh, and then to to add like all the co op that's always worked, and to make like the the one real evolution that you see is is in everything is to make it bigger, and that applies to Spies versus Mercs too. Yeah. You know? So I was going to ask, like, I've never been a huge like I've always appreciated the single player campaigns of the various Splinter Cell games, but Spies versus Mercs to me is like the reason to play this game. Have you played Spies versus Mercs before? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Not in this game. I haven't. Okay, it's, well, that's it's, fine. The only reason I ask is because I don't feel like there's a good jumping on point for that shit. Yeah, yeah. it's also a different Spies Marks than people remember. Like, okay. this is not Chaos Theory Spies Marks. Even Splinter Cell, or sorry, uh, classic Spies Marks is not Chaos Theory Spies Marks. Yeah. What you're doing and how you're doing it is very different. The level layouts are very different. How you hide is very different. Um, the biggest thing is that, like, in Chaos Theory, you'd be sneaking up into a mansion and there would be cameras in the woods or trip mines that would set off alarms but wouldn't actually harm you or anything. Yeah. And that stuff is all gone. It's entirely based on player interaction, player cooperation, okay. people using items like that to benefit the team. Yeah. But that stuff is just not inherently there. So it's a lot more player-driven. Yeah. It's environment-driven, you would say? I mean, yeah, the Chaos Theory had a lot of environmental effects. Yeah. And, like, you would hear people outside, like, breaking twigs and shit. And that stuff is basically all gone. Maybe because most of the maps are outside. Um, and also, like, it's industrial spaces. Right, like, you're in train yards or you're in steel factories and yeah. shit. But again, um, like, the levels are significantly larger yeah, so than they've ever been. And the way you can traverse them, you have all of these different skills. Like, you can just leap out windows or climb up pipes and hide in shadows. Or, you know, you can bait somebody to chase you and you can just run around in circles. Mm-hmm. or And hop above them or leap onto them from above. You have so many ways to get around and to kill people that, as a spy, you have all these flexible ways to take dudes down and to escape. 
Um, and then I like even playing as mercenaries. I didn't hate it. I love it. I th- I love that handicap of not seeing anything. Also, adrenaline is awesome. Oh God, yes. Adrenaline is an ability where uh, your character's field of view gets wider. So it's like dialing up the FOV slider yeah, in a game. Yeah. Like so, suddenly your peripheral vision is fucking insane. Yep. And everything is is lit up. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and it lasts for thirty seconds. Doesn't yeah. it? I think thirty. Something seconds. like that. Yeah. Um. Those like, but the thing about Spiders versus Mercs, and this goes for everything except for maybe Deathmatch, which is super good and has no fucking right to be. Yep. Like Deathmatch and Splinter Cell should be terrible, yep. but it's really fun. Just because the classes are all really great, and the yeah. skills and the items and the gear that you can unlock can be combined right. in really interesting and thoughtful ways to and make you play differently. We talked last week about how the economy in Splinter Cell is sort of broken, and the only reason I can say now that it's less broken than I thought is because of the money that you get in the campaign is used to unlock shit in multiplayer yep. as well. I mean, that's what the money is for. Right. The upgrades um, to the plane and Sam's gear is secondary. Right. And, well, no, because that shit gets really important. Particularly the goggle upgrades. Oh, God. Um, Those final goggles are fucked up cheap. Yeah. Uh, so, But the thing is, like, that game doesn't open up until you start upgrading weapons, I think. Right. Or upgrading gear. And once you do, like, having a spy that actually has a decent, like, offensive, like, ranged option is really powerful. Yeah. But it, it just never... It never... I don't know if it's a game mode that can be balanced... But it's a game where I feel like really good play, no matter, quote, how weak you are, can yield really amazing results. Yeah, I feel like it's deliberately not balanced. Right. It's both teams are... pandemonium. Yeah, I mean, both teams are just on their own ends of the spectrum in really extreme ways. Spies are very quick, very mobile, very able to navigate worlds, one-hit kills, but they're fucking terrible with weapons until you blow all your money on them. Yeah. Whereas the Mercs are the other way around. They're super slow and... They can take a lot of shots, but man, if somebody sneaks up on you, they are getting the one-hit kill with a knife. Sure. And eventually, like as a merc, you'll get the juggernaut, which can't be killed. Oh my god! By essentially He's a anything except for someone from behind or yep. like an airdrop. Yep. But so the the problem with all of this is that it's just not accessible. Like there is no slow, gradual, introductory curve to the yeah. game. It is one of the most mechanically complex multiplayer games you will ever find. And Spies versus Mercs has always been that way, which is yes. why in Chaos Theory there was a mandatory tutorial. Yeah. Where you had to play through this like bullshit spy test. But it was so important to teach you, you know, this is a camera. Cameras will find you, alert the other team to exactly where you are, and you have to know that a chaff grenade will take it out. Right. And I just, like, there's the campaign, but I just don't feel like the campaign does enough to teach you. And the funny yeah. thing is, you can tell that they sort of thought about it. Because the Briggs missions in the campaign like are from a first-person perspective. Yeah. They're very clearly, we have this Spies Mercs thing, we have Mercs playable, oh, we'll just roll it into the campaign. Although it is interesting playing a Splinter Cell game from first-person and doing Splinter Cell shit. It's almost not Splinter Cell shit, though. Yeah. It's well, definitely not I mean, the way you and I play anyway. Right, and so that's the thing, is like there are parts of that game where, no matter how non-lethally you played the entire rest of the game, you have to kill people. Yeah. Um, and whether that's with Briggs with guns because he's not given non-lethal options. I don't think that's a spoiler. That's just like what the game is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or there are various parts of the game where you're, it's like a sort of on rails thing where like you're taking out dudes from a sniper perch as Briggs, like to secure an approach for Sam yep. or you're in a you're, UAV or you're, you're piloting a, a drone, like to get cars off of your ass when you're trying to extract and you were not tapping these people on the shoulder. You were fucking killing them. See, and I never felt bad about that in the way you did. I 
Because I mean, I don't the, know if I feel bad because there is no emotional resonance or. I mean, attachment so that's I don't, I don't mean it all. like your feelings were hurt or anything. I mean that you were frustrated because you wanted to play non-lethally completely. Right. I wanted and that wasn't yeah, an option exactly, and it, it just it feels like a cheat. Like it, it's I felt cheated because the game gives you so many ways everywhere else to be completely non-lethal, and then makes you kill people, and it just it felt at odds. Like yeah. it is, yeah. I don't want to say Luda narrative dissonance because it's not. It doesn't fuck with the story because yeah. it's not Sam killing people. Yeah, sure. But it fucks with my idea of who I am as a player in that world. Right. Because if you're playing as Sam non-lethally, philosophically, you are in some degree. Sam Fisher is opposed to murdering people unnecessarily. Right. Which is why, like, when you roll up to London and you're standing outside that boat and you're about to take that dude down and Briggs blows his brains out with a sniper rifle, it's like, well, I have a takedown. Right. Like, Sam can just do that non-lethally and um, it'll be fine. And, and yeah, I, I just... Like to, not only that, but the collateral damage implied in nailing cars on a freeway, yeah, is is insane, and also just stupid. Like it's fucking stupid. Yeah. Like they're, and and so that's the other weakness. Like aside from that, is that the the story in this game like starts interesting, and like starts to build momentum, and then just sort of, eh, it just farts out at yeah. the end. Like not only does it fart out, but it leaves like this major dangling plot point potential and well, never addresses well it. that's very clearly because there's dlc there's deal there is a dlc thing coming very obviously this is DLC. DLC. this yes, is because there's a so when the not game like a dangling plot plot hole or plot thread this is like suggesting something very serious yep. about the plot and never addressing it yeah i mean when you finish the game and light spoilers i guess when you look at your monitor about what's next the entire game has been like this terrorist attack is next and it's coming this time at the end of the game it's like this one eh, we don't know maybe it's not coming at all well, and it, that's not what i'm talking about i'll tell you during the break what i'm saying okay um because i don't want to spoil it because yeah. whatever but it felt like to me it was it suggested this major plot point that would be more important than almost anything else that happened in the game and then went for like the a dangling thread from earlier do you instead. mean oh, okay you're thinking of something different than I am, but I also have major problems with the game's ending. I feel like it's super rushed. They didn't think it out, or there's right. a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. Yeah, there Not are character that, moments that they just totally ignore. Yeah. It do, it does. It feels like it's the sort of quintessential fucked up video game narrative where it feels like big pieces are missing. Yeah. Um. But I'm sure that's a result of it, cutting. But I mean, and the thing is, like, that's frustrating because this could have been the most understandable, least fucking tabloidy Splinter Cell story. Because, and it is for like half every of it. every Splinter Cell game other than this and Conviction has a fucking completely bonkers like wonk ass gibberish oh no terrorism Tom Clancy story yeah. where it's like we we have mass algorithms for this hacker in like the the Czech Republic and he's going to use it to take over a stock market and then that's going to lead to a conglomerate gaining power in these elections and shit like my that. mind is shutting down it's <laughs> like oh well it's japan like these nationalist factions in japan and north korea teaming up to stage a terrorist attack and make it look like someone else did it and it's like whoa 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 okay that's a good excuse to go to north korea i guess yeah and this strikes a balance in a way that it's like this is where the source of the terrorism is coming from. Yeah. You should go there to right. stop it, Sam. Or, like, they think that it's going this place, but it's actually going here, so you better fucking stop it. Yeah. And that all, like, that all is much more grounded than previous Winter Cells have been. And, like, Conviction's story was fun, but it was totally fucking bananas. 
Yeah. Like, you stab someone with patriotism. Yes, you do. It's the best moment of the whole game. Wait, what does that mean? You impale a man with an American flag. Oh, wow, you do stab someone with patriotism. Exactly, yeah. It's awesome. I mean, I I love conviction. I love it for what it is. But, like, the story is batshit. It's complete batshit. The plot Um, twist in that game is so stupid. And, like, the more I... I It's the letters J, K, pasted on the wall. It might as well be. Uh, (laughs) So... So yeah, those are the things that piss me off about Blacklist. But there's so much awesome shit in Blacklist that it is more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Like, if you were to buy this, this game could easily last you 40 hours. Yep. Like, there is as much co-op content as there is campaign content. And it's all awesome. Except for Most the of it's awesome. Mission, there's some really shitty parts. It's mostly um, awesome. And, and it ties into previous Splinter Cell games. And that's yeah. the other thing that I appreciate about this, is that... It does feel like it drags Splinter Cell a little bit more into continuity than Conviction felt. It tries to give a shit about itself. Uh, And that's particularly interesting given that it jettisons two series staple voice actors to do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, Um, I did not know for the longest time that Grimm was a different woman. Because... She's so good at doing an impersonation of Grimm. Because this is the first game where Grimm is, like, really good. Yeah. She also sounds super Canadian. She and uh, Coben I guess would know. are yeah. both super Canadian. That's courtesy of the whitest person in Oakland. Do they talk about Tim Hortons? Is that why? All the time. Yeah. yeah. That's all I know about Canada. And you guys are afraid of the dark. Yep. How do you not know about poutine? Like if, oh, we're, like, if poutine. we're riding the cliche train, you got to break out the I didn't. Poutine. I never considered... That's poutine. all they serve in the, 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 the beverage car is they poutine. Have, <laughs> oh my god. I, what? I mean, a beverage car? Yeah, on the uh, Orient Express. On the Express. cliche train. Oh, on the, the Orient Express. Uh, you fucking racist. I don't read. <laughs> What's that racist? <laughs> the word Orient isn't racist. You don't want to say is stuff it? about Orientals. Yeah, Orient is kind of racist. It's the imperial... It's like the empire term for Asia. But the Orient Express was its name. Yeah, it was like the British-run railroad. But that's what it was called. It can't be racist for calling it what it was called. No, you can totally... If our, no, never mind. I'm not doing this. Don't do it. Not this. going down this road. <laughs> So we were going to a Why did you realize the places? Thanks, Marty. <laughs> Welcome to I hope Rebel you all FM. enjoyed Marty's first and last appearance <laughs> on Rebel FM. Uh, so yeah, Splinter Cell is awesome. Uh, Mitch, you played Call of Duty Ghosts. I did. Whoa. I played a lot of it. That's a Call of Duty-ass Call of Duty game. So if you like uh, Call of Duty and you're Call of Duty... So it's basically got like every, every Call of Duty mode that's ever Call of duty Yeah, but now they, they modify it in, in ways that I'm not totally sold on. Like, there there's one mode that we were talking about earlier, Search and Rescue. Search and Rescue seems really, cool. really fucking interesting. Yeah. And I guess someone at IGN compared it to, to freeze, freeze Tag. tag yeah. Mode, which is genius. It yes. is. So when Arthur gets killed and we're on the same team, Arthur will not be revived. It's a Search and Destroy match. Uh, so I mean, if if this if, if we're using me, like the you could probably just stop at the Arthur is not going to be revived part because that's my luck playing fucking Call of Duty Online. <laughs> I got you back. So my my role in that mode is okay. I have a control point to destroy, but Arthur is also dead. I can bring him back by collecting his dog tag. So it's kind of a reverse kill confirmed. But you could only but the other team could grab my dog tag and keep so they from can confirm that kicks the kill you the game. You're and that's like you will wait till the next round of respawn and for yeah. those keeping track at home that's the first time I've yawned so take a shot or fuck yourself or whatever is that care. part is of that the game? well excuse in your the presence. hell out of me I'm in my fucking apartment at 8.30 at night so eat all of the dicks all of 8:30? them 8.30? it is 8.30 so many dicks 
Uh, we had so we need to talk. We we need to talk fast because you guys got yeah. really soon. Um, so search and rescue is good. The other mode that we saw was cranked, oh, and it actually talked faster. And it's like a really <laughs> shitty mode. Uh, is it? It Why is, is it it's, shitty? So it's it's shitty for me as somebody who enjoys Call of Duty, but only casually yeah. because it is super engineered for the hardcore crowd. Sure, people sure. who are really good at Call of Duty. And, and I don't like playing Call of Duty. Like this is for people who rush out and know the map and like yes. are just murder machines. Yeah, and you yeah. Can, like they're, they're, they're the people who have their eyes down the site before you even know they're there. They are not men. They are clouds with guns that yeah. point in every direction. Yeah. People who know what the word prestige so, means. <laughs> yeah. So every time you get a kill, a timer starts at thirty seconds and starts counting. I'm just down. imagining you like writing on a piece of lined paper how. Do I gam? How, How to I gam. gam? We think we have this conversation a lot, um, and that's a really amazing incentive to keep killing in deathmatch. Okay, now I have thirty seconds to do it, or I die. So you get a little bit more aggressive, and in, in addition to becoming more aggressive naturally, you're also granted more skills. So it's constantly empowering you and encouraging you to go out and be stupider, which means dying a lot, <laughs> and it means Great. I never once saw my clock expire, even though I had like a really good run and I was getting like five kills. My clock never expired. Because I was just killed immediately. So one of the things I think I saw you tweet about that I wasn't clear on are score streaks back. No, score streaks are gone. Kill streaks. It's there are more kill streaks. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So everything is based around kills now again, because Infinity War. Well, there are objective streaks too, right? So that's a weird thing. I don't fully understand how these things come well, that, to be. No, the I mean, field they, operations. There were right? score streaks in Modern Warfare Three. Were there? Yeah, I think that's where they came from. I right? thought they were Black Ops. I know. Hmm. No. Shows what I know. Um, I didn't like Black Ops multiplayer, and I realize I'm in the You are there. an insane person. Whatever, man. Uh, you're, are you talking about the field operations? Which is basically, it's an objective you pick up on the fly. Like, Oh, yeah, if I saw you get, that. Yeah, I, like I get a headshot. or yeah. yeah, I think if you get a certain amount of kills, or maybe it's random, but you drop, somebody will drop a briefcase, you pick it up, and it assigns you objectives. And it's like, get you know five kills, get a headshot, capture a point, whatever. And it's if you get that, you get XP, an XP bonus. And that kind of stuff is interesting to mix up the flow of the game normally. But beyond that, like this game is super safe. Yeah. It is the safest Call of Duty game you will ever see. It is not taking a single chance. This is them coming out to next gen saying, we want a guaranteed fucking hit. And we are not risking anything along the way. I mean, when have they ever risked anything? I mean, Black Ops 2 totally changed the way you load out your character. But they took that, like... Yeah, they they took. That's that what this game is too. is taking a lot of good ideas. Yeah. Hey, the story what about was, the clan system? What about the squad system? Squads is weird. I still don't fully understand it. But basically, you Arthur Geese have a roster of characters that is your squad. Yeah. So you have X amount of characters that you customize individually, name individually, load out individually with different classes. That's your squad. When you play squads multiplayer, you use that squad to play against AI or against other people's squads. Yeah. So you can start a match and you play as the Arthur character and then your best I'm friend sorry, Mitch character and your best friend Marty character are AI who behave according to the class role you have assigned them. Yeah. So if I have a sniper rifle, I as the AI know, okay, time to find a perch. And that guy goes out and does his thing. And the whole point of it is that the AI in your squad behave exactly like people. Yeah. So they say, we'll see. We didn't actually see squads, which is why I'm hesitant to talk yeah, about it Yeah, I mean, the neat thing sounded like you, as you kind of train the squad and it grows, uh, even when your game, even when you turn your game off, that squad exists. Yep, so you can challenge ether. me. So it's, just, dry, it's Dry Vitars? Yes. Yeah, honestly, yeah. And so you're playing, and all of a sudden you are playing against Mitch's Thanks, squad. Thanks, so everything is Dry Vitars now. <laughs> and if Mitch's squad wins, Soldier all of a sudden he boots his game up, and he's like, oh, your squad... Wrecked shit last night. Um, you just got have some, some free XP. Sorry. It's basically a way to play multiplayer with 
human-esque AI without having to deal with pricks online. That could be a big revolution. Yeah, for like dudes like us yeah. who don't give a shit about playing with people. In I Call actually, of Duty. I like playing Call of Duty multiplayer sometimes. I do too. And the reason is, is because you can always find a game. Yep. Yep. Always. Instantly. And it will always be the exact same thing. You like, you know, it is like I Call of Duty is reliably fast, intense, loud, aggressive. Like you know exactly what you're in infuriating. for. Infuriating. Yeah. In fucking infuriating. Uh, and so the other thing is they added women. Yes. To the game finally. Yep. Uh, and watching the video, like, one of the things... I actually thought that I was seeing female character models in the game, but I wasn't totally sure because it was going by so fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then at the end, it has the woman yeah. aiming at something. So it's like, oh, yeah, I did... There are women in this game. Yep. Um And I, I guess, started some kind of shit on Twitter when I said that I feel weird at the stabbing. Yeah, I felt like... Um, I felt similar, right? Like, you see a woman getting stabbed in the chest... And I feel like it's a double standard where I think, oh, great, empowered women. Women are in the army. They fight. They kill. They're, you know, here they are. Um, oh, shit, they're getting stabbed. I feel so, weird. I mean, I wanted to talk about that a little bit, like, because Twitter is a poor medium yep, for yep. discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why do you feel like it's a double standard? I don't know. I feel like when I, when, I say, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, women in the game means... You know, women are going to be happy to see women in the game because it's like, oh, I'm an, I can relate to this. Women are in the army, in the military. They are strong. You know, it's a strong role for them to play. Right. And it's something we can all recognize as like a value. So when we say, oh, cool, women are in the game, and I appreciate that, to be able to see them get killed is something you should expect. Right. But I think the way, the way it is presented, because it's Call of Duty and it's uber violent, it's something we're not used to seeing. We are so desensitized to seeing men get murdered repeatedly. That to see a woman is maybe a little upsetting. So, and I, I don't know. I just feel like I shouldn't be more okay with it than I am because I think, um, yeah, cool women are here. I'm, I'm on board. They, sh- they're here. They're able to kill. They should be able to die. So over the past two weeks, I've been slowly making my way through Tomb Raider, and so when this happened, like I, to me, I was like, well, I've seen a <laughs> lot seen worse worst. horrific <laughs> shit you, in the last I two mean, weeks. How like, do you feel about it in Tomb Raider? Um, it, it feels gratuitous at times um but i don't know i've, I've just been desensitized by these dumb games See, I feel that like, i write about that yeah i'm just i don't know the one thing about the reveal to me it just felt like it cribbed off that uh prodigy video smack my bitch up if you remember it i don't it was a first person video oh, because it was like the person acting like a total fucking dick bag and everyone assumed it was a guy and then all of a sudden then, yeah. you look in the mirror and it was a girl the whole time i'm not sure why that those comparisons happen in your brain. The reveal, like Welcome the whole time, was one of those like, "Oh, you." Oh, do you think it was suggesting that the person that was getting all the kills was a woman? Yeah, that's what I at the yeah. Okay, I don't know. That's what I. I mean, just, I. I also was. It was showing a lady. I was watching the whole thing while right. Writing, writing news. So yeah. <laughs> um. So, the th- like, the thing for me is that. When when people talk about equal rights, uh, particularly in a negative way, they talk about everything has to be the same for everyone. And not only that, but they, when things are made more balanced, they feel that somehow the scale has suddenly reset and the sum on both sides is zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that's the case. And I, it's not about <coughs> denial that women die in combat. It's not about denial that women... Uh, can do these things and that it's quote fair for women to be killed in the same way as men. It's more that there is a, a inherent cultural difference there because there is an inherent 
cultural issue of violence against women uh that there is like there's always violence but there is a particular excessive use of and like uh systemic bias towards really horrific violence towards women in our culture and in other cultures and seeing that's that reminds me of that in a way that seeing a dude get stabbed in the neck for the 17,000th time doesn't yeah that when i see like a soldier with a helmet get stabbed the way that you see it in that video it's like okay so this is call of duty again when i see a woman basically get jacked in the neck with a knife i think this fucking happens all over the country every day and maybe she like like and i think of the consequences of that violence or the roots of it and it is it is not the same thing depicting violence against men in that way as it is depicting it against women and yes that's a double standard because there is still a double standard between men and women in this country and and in modern society everywhere like there's no country where men and women are equal like there is a systemic yeah. bias against women in every country and some are getting better about that than others but there is still there are there are very problematic issues of depicting that kind of violence against women and uh i was watching like the bit of you guys podcast today where you talked about that uh marty was on and naomi was on and one of the things she said that actually resonated with me is like maybe this is just growing pains mm-hmm. for how this happens and i do think that it's a conversation worth having and that's not to say that i i have a problem with activision and infinity ward including women in the game because i do think that it's beyond time, and I think that it's especially ironic timing, given that Dice has essentially confirmed that there will not be women in Battlefield yeah, Four. Yeah, um, and they spent a big part of the Call of Duty reveal showing all the ways in which moving around the world in Call of Duty looks an awful lot like it does in Battlefield, like vaulting surfaces and the lean thing being a step above Call of Duty and Battlefield, like the the rudimentary cover system that it's introducing, like. It feels like a reaction to Battlefield, which is interesting from a business perspective because clearly that means that like Infinity Ward and Activision see Battlefield as a competitor, mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to an also ran. I mean, but, they're stealing basic mechanics like sliding into cover and yeah. jumping over shit. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but as far as the one thing goes, I do think it's a positive, and I am glad. But it evokes different feelings in me to see violence against women in that way than it does to see it against men. Although, to be completely honest, I like what I also said, and this, this is true. Like, I am not totally sure how I feel about watching dudes get jacked in the neck with a fucking knife. Yeah. Over it's and still over fucked again. up. Yeah. And like, I, I am not asking for censorship, but I am getting to the point where I am, I'm less and less comfortable playing this stuff. I'm just less interested in it. And not and, because of the comfort thing. I'm just fucking bored by it. Sure. And I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like t- typically when generations refresh, we do actually get shit that is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it took call of duty two years of next gen to introduce modern warfare. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I like, I think that I am getting to a point in my life where I am, I'm not necessarily prepared to rail against the violence in all the games that we play but I am increasingly disconcerted by some of it and the context of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe I would like to play a Call of Duty game where I can turn off a setting where I have to watch dudes get fucking stabbed in the neck or women get stabbed in the neck or have to listen to dogs die terribly. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, or watch someone get their throat torn out by a dog yeah. or watch myself get my throat torn out by a dog. 
Like, and with Call of Duty, I feel like it's trying so hard for a, not necessarily realism, but a a sense of of realistic context. Believability. Yeah. Which I think is different than realism. And not even like, oh, well, these guns are just like real guns. It's like, this runs at 60 frames per second. We want your awareness to be as it would be in life. And like for you to feel really drawn in and engaged in a way that other shooters don't. And like when they do that, like the violence becomes less comical and becomes more disturbing to me. Yeah. Like you said, I was a bit nauseated while watching it. Um, A, the 60 frames... Like, everything was moving a little too fast for me. I was like, Jesus, I can't right. keep up with this. Yeah, and then there's this the sensory overload of noise and violence. And like you mentioned, it is insane to fathom that this generation began with Call of Duty 2, which was like a, a John Wayne saccharin World it War was, II tale. It was tale. also rated T for teen. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I mean, that's not to say that you can't play those games and enjoy them, or that I'm judging you inherently because you do. It just means that I don't know where I am in my life with that stuff anymore. And when I play a game like Gears of War, that is comical shit. Yeah, it's yeah. the like, difference between... Oh, cool, he fell into a pile of hamburger. Like, yep. this is not real yeah. in any way, yep, yep. shape, or form. Uh, or Halo, like, it's a bunch of fucking robots. Like, Or it's cartoon blood. I, but, like, God of War Ascension was fucking gross. Yeah. So was God of War 3. God of War 3 was pretty bad. God there was of some War fucking Ascension. violence against men in that game that was really gross. Right. I mean, but God, like, the way that you kill a cy- like, a fucking Cyclops, like, watching a Cyclops yep. die in that game was still fucking gross. Yeah. The shit you do to Hades is some of the grossest thing um, I've ever seen. So, like, I, I do feel like we're pushing to the point, and I didn't, like, people talk about the violence in Bioshock Infinite being dissonant to the narrative that it's trying to tell, and I don't feel, feel totally like it was. Totally that. Uh, but that's fine, and obviously I've spoken to my sort of unease and distaste for how many people you have to kill in The Last of Us. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, and I'm not saying that the game is bad for that. I think that the game has problems because it doesn't control well and the encounters suck. Yeah, and Last of Us but, does what you were talking about with Splinter Cell, where at certain points you can get through without killing anyone, right. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a siege scene. Get ready right. to kill yeah, 4,000 exactly. people. It's, and that's that's dissonant. Like, that's what we were talking about. I, I'm i just saying, like, I am to the point where that is something that's on my mind more and more often. And a lot of this got dragged up by watching, like, women get fucking stabbed in the neck in the Call of Duty footage. Yeah. And that's not to say that I don't think women can serve or that I'm clueless at the fact that women have been blown up by IDs and shot and killed and that women are fucking murdered every day it reminds me of all of that and it's not just that it's not line of duty murder that it reminds me of it's like domestic violence and fucking yeah assault that happens on a regular basis that is endemic in in our culture so yeah it's a double standard yeah it I'm, absolutely I'm, is i'm not trying to fucking white knight i'm saying that there's a problem with depiction of violence against women yeah I'm with you in that, like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm starting to recognize this shit more and more, and maybe it's because of conversations like this, and I have a really, really hard time articulating it. Gender politics is something that is super new to me, and being able to discuss it like this is something I'm still figuring out. I'm still trying to figure out my place in it, how I react to it. Like, when I saw that stuff, and I thought, fuck, this is weird, and I shouldn't be as uncomfortable about it as I am. But I am, and I couldn't figure out why. And, and like, it's a lot say, of it's exactly that. To say nothing about the gross misogyny of the vocal part of the Call of Duty community. Oh yeah, like, can't wait for them to talk about. Oh, you playing as a woman? Like I can't wait to mute literally everyone that plays Call of Duty. 
It's like fine. Just play could, squads. If I could hit a button and remove all of their vocal cords right now, <laughs> that would be great. Can that be a, a launch feature for Xbox Coming One? Coming soon please? to Xbox One. Uh, now featuring a new Eminem single. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't bother me. I like. I will probably play it. Uh, I, the, the shit that they're doing with downloadable content on both platforms, like moving it from Xbox 360 to Xbox One and from PS3 to PS4 yep. is fucking smart. Yep, super that good. Might be across the board. I, I can't imagine how much money Microsoft is paying GameStop and possibly other retailers to enable a $50 trading credit from the Xbox 360 version of that game to the Xbox One version. Good lord. But whatever they're paying, it's probably not as much as it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's fucking weird. I feel fucking weird watching people like get brutally murdered in a way that they get murdered every day. I don't think a lot of women get killed by an AK-47 or an RPG yeah. or a dog every day, but women get fucking killed with knives and like vicious implements every day, and that sticks out to me when I see shit like that. If it doesn't to you, congratulations. That's great. Congre- like awesome. Go play on home instead. Happen to yes. Yeah, that was the, the theme of this episode. Was go play Gone Home. Instead. <laughs> yes. Um, did either of you guys uh, kind of stumble across the Hotline Miami Two Kara Ellison's thing? Yeah, yeah. That, no. that bubbled up today. You should um, read it. Yeah, it's really amazing. Kara, PC Gamer. Kara wrote a uh, Hotline Miami Two preview for PC Gamer, uh, and she played a scene where uh, you you play as this kind of like butcher who the has pig a butcher. pig mask on, and you you know you go through this house, party, kill all these people, and at the end right. you knock down a girl. And the game says finisher, and you hit the button, and you hear him like pull down his trousers. Obviously, he's getting ready to rape her, and then the game yells cut, and it zooms out, and you're actually watching. You played a movie that is being filmed based off the original um, Hotline Miami, so it's like Scream, how Scream Two. It's a really meta did. thing. Yeah. So, um, I. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, she said that's at, kind of her at, article, and she said at that point she didn't know what to think and sort of fell out of love with yep. this so game. Here is why I find that offensive. Although that is a fictional construct within a fictional construct. Yeah. It is using <laughs> Well, because it is, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a video it's, game yeah. like with a movie being made of another video game within it. Yep. None of it real. None of it like it's two like orders removed. Layers, man. Um it's still using sexual assault as a form of titillation. Yep. And exploitation for attention and and there are movies that that play with that and actually do it but there are movies that can that can do that and say something about it and hotline miami is not one of those so having not played this but just for the sake of playing devil's advocate the first hotline miami was a game that was made to make you aware of how fucked up violence is to make you aware of how desensitized you become to it do we think that this is not something that it can approach in a similar way to flip the contract on your devil's advocate far cry 3 was a game that was supposed to be about the bullshit of colonialism and yeah guys y'all just didn't get it how fucking pathetic the treatment of women are in video games and it did a bang-up job of just doing all of those things yeah like games suck at satire because games like they have to become part of it to talk about it there's an order of abstraction that's inherent in every video game particularly fucking pixel games where you're like oh, well, this is over-the-top or stupid, it's because it's a fucking video game, and that's all it can manage. Yeah. So it sucks at that. And I think the games that try to do that run the risk of just being that. Mm-hmm. Which totally. is why I never played Hotline Miami, because I just I didn't want to do that. No, the game is so good, Which though. sucks, because the yeah. soundtrack is awesome. <laughs> the soundtrack's so good. really good. And it's like a really incredible idea. I just... 
like satire is video like games that try to be satire too often end up too often are the thing they're trying to satirize in uh, my opinion out of uh, curiosity just going back to when you mentioned that there are movies some movies that are able to handle it in a way that actually say something which are there any that you're thinking of the, like the two the dragon I th- tattoo okay so mm-hmm. i thought of that i thought of history of violence and i thought of irreversible Sure. Those were the three that kind yeah. of came to mind. I thought people were widely kind of anti-Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in terms of how it handled that shit. I was just um, anti that movie. Which, <laughs> I, you think people are anti that movie? or Well, in terms of that specific, the stuff it's trying to say. I don't... And how it communicates. Th- I mean, I, I, I'm more referring to uh, the original yeah. one as opposed to the American remake, although I prefer that movie as, as a piece of storytelling. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we can get into it later. I think that it's like a marvel of editing. Like, it cuts out all the parts of that story that it needs to to work as Oh, a like movie. the first 400 pages? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, first off, like, Stieg Larsson was a, was a feminist. Uh, the original title of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo was Men Who Hate Women. Uh, <laughs> and I think that it establishes that men are fucking awful, or, or can be awful, and, and treat women this way and systematically grind them up and use them. And that's like sort of the course of that entire series of yeah. books. Well, especially um, to Jesus Christ. So that's something that is using that to have a message. And I I don't think that that Hotline Miami is the venue for a message that's as important as how awful violence is. Sure. Remains to be seen. I don't know. Like I don't know if that was just a throwaway thing where it's like here's our one rape scene that we're never gonna come back to, or if it's part of a larger thing that it tries to speak intelligently about yeah i don't know i mean the only thing i can still gonna play that game yeah i mean the only the only miami yeah the only sort of interest i don't even know if this was their intent but the interesting uh perspective on that is if the events of the original game were so sort of misconstrued and pulled out of proportions in that world that the legend became like, oh my god, this guy would go around, he would murder Rakey, everyone, he would rape murder. everybody, yeah. like he was killing babies. And if this is how sort of the myth of that world gets propagated, You'd start like playing an exaggerated version of, yeah, that. and that's sort of an interesting, I don't know, way to think about how stories of violence, of real violence in American culture, get. Um, but I think I, it's this strange status to them, this sort of iconic status. Like the problem with video games is satire is even if it's satire, you're doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. Like here, here is the thing that's bad, isn't it? Fucked up, isn't but it? But I, I think that should be allowed. Like, Why can't a game have something to say, even if it has to say like "fuck"? If I, if I have to do this to say that it sucks, that's a, kind of like I a mean, noble sacrifice. It's, it's turning the game into doing the thing that sucks. Sure, like, and maybe it's and, you can have like a self admission in that sure. regard. And I think that some games have been more successful with that than others. Like I think that Spec Ops does a pretty good job in a lot of yeah, ways sure. of doing that. And part of that is like stuff is just really unpleasant, and you don't like what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I like I'm not saying that Hotline Miami isn't successful at those things because I didn't play it, and I can't yeah. say that you should play it. Honestly. What I what I'm That's saying true. is that. Like for it to say that it's satire is an enormously difficult thing, and to use like rape as titillation, which is basically what it's doing, is fucking gross. Yeah. Yep. If games can't get basic satire down, don't 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 go. Uh, yeah, you gotta yeah. learn to walk before you can run. Yeah. Video games, and that's our podcast Thanks for this for week. Out. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Marty and Mitch actually both have to bail. We do. Uh, yeah. Mitch's fault. 
it's Mitch's fault. It's, it's, it's Marty's fault. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for joining us. I hope this wasn't the fun police kill your joy cast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we liked Gone Home. We liked um, things. We did like Gone Home. Uh, we really liked Splinter Cell. Uh, Send emails about today's discussion to letters at eat-sleep-game.com. I'm really jealous you got to use the Xbox One controller for a couple of hours. Dude, it feels so fucking good for shooters. Holy uh, shit. Better. It costs what it costs. Like oh a quarter God. of a billion yeah, dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're going to love it. You just oh, you have yeah. so much precision. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, you can follow Mitch at Mitchy D uh, on Twitter. You can follow Marty at McBiggity. That's uh, M C B I G G I T T Y. Two G's, two T's. Yeah. Don't judge me. You can't hear me shaking my head. It's bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow me at A G I E S. Like Mitch said, you can write us at letters at eat sleep game.com. You can find my writing at polygon.com, and you can find Marty and Mitch's writing at ign.com. Websites. Their websites. <laughs> It's like big blogs. <laughs> it's like big blogs. All right, just shut the fuck up. I love Marty so much. Whoa!